Good morning. Welcome to the Bond Sunday Morning Services. Thank you so much for being part of it. I absolutely appreciate it. I am Jesse Lee Peterson. You can get involved by calling 800-411-2663, 800-411-BOND, or email me church at bondinfo.org, church at bondinfo.org, and put your name in town, name in town. In. Uh, good morning, everybody here. Good morning. Yeah. Um, I'm going to deal with an uh, email that I received today. I'm going to try and get to it. But first, uh, let's see, who know how to read? I need you to turn to Hebrew 4, uh, chapter, I mean, verse 12. This is interesting. And, uh, Messi, you want to read? You know how to read? But you don't want to come do it? Uh, yeah, I probably shouldn't get a black person to read it. <laughs> <laughs> We don't know how to read. Yes, you do. Is that we? Yeah. I put myself in a category with you people on this one. <laughs> Normally they yell at me because I leave myself out, but I'm a part of this. Uh, Patrick, come and read something for me, please. We yell at you because you're only speaking for yourself. I'm sorry? We yell at you because you're only speaking for yourself. Meaning what? <laughs> that black can read? You can't read. Okay, Rhonda, come and read this. <laughs> <laughs> Come and read this one. No, it sounds good. Uh, now she's trying to get. All of a sudden, the voice went deep. Oh, I have a voice. This is Hebrew 12, I mean 4, chapter 4. I want you to read 12 to here, through 13. Uh huh. The Word of God is something alive and active, it cuts more incisively through any two edged sword. It can seek out the place where soul is divided from spirit or joints from marrow. It can pass judgment on secret emotions and thoughts. No created thing is hidden from him. Everything is uncovered and stretched fully open to the eyes of the one to whom we must give accounts of ourselves. Oh, thank you. You can read. I bet you live in the suburbs. <laughs> I live straight into the <laughs> Do you live in the suburbs? Compton, I say. <laughs> The, the word is uh, alive and active. It really is. The truth is alive and active, and it's sharper than a two-edged sword. And that's the point, alive and active. And um, I don't see too many. Now, that doesn't mean it doesn't exist because I don't see it. But I don't see too many Christians who you can recognize that the word is alive and active in them. It seemed to be dead. They don't seem to have life in them. And I'm wondering why. Why is that? Have anybody noticed that besides me? That uh, the word is not alive and active in most people? Right. Have you noticed that? Yes. And John is the only one that noticed that? Is it alive and active in you guys in here, ladies? Yes. It is alive and active. What does that mean to be alive and active? To and put God's word into action. I'm sorry? To put God's word into action. Yeah. In what way? Well, um, volunteer your time, your abilities, your, um, your knowledge. Yeah. And to treat other people the way you want to be treated. Like okay. the golden rule. The way. Um, and to have the um, spiritual gifts of... Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness. And, and you have all that. The love, joy, kindness, when, goodness, patience, long-suffering. <laughs> yeah, I got long-suffering, that's for sure. Um, <laughs> when I, when I want to think something negative, I put that in there. What would God want me to think? Yeah. The word is something alive and active. Yes, John. When you really speak the truth, that is alive. You know, when the, when the truth, when you are able to see the truth and really speak the truth, yeah. then your words are alive, and when you act upon that, then your action would be alive. Especially when you speak the truth without resentment. Right. If you don't have any anger inside at all, you speak the truth, it is sharp. Yes. And only the truth seeker 
would appreciate that because it will awaken them. Yes. But most well, people scream when you speak truth to them. They get mad. Yeah. They don't well, like that. But unless you're just preaching the Bible to them, if I went up to a person and say, Jesus, 1 John chapter 4, verse 8 said, Thus said the Lord. Nobody care about that. But if you went up to a person and said that you are of your father and the devil, all hell will break loose. <laughs> and you know, it's funny how the Christians use the, the words to try to change people's lives and it doesn't work. Whereas the real truth will work in a waking up. Because what it is is actually they operate on knowledge. You see, that's what they do. That's right. They know the words, they know what to say. Yeah. But it's not coming as truth from their heart. Right. It's not. And it's funny how that is too. You can throw scriptures on people, and they're not. The devil is like laughing. Yeah, right on. But if you tell the truth that comes from the heart, it affects the person. Either make them mad or glad. Have you noticed that? Yes. Especially if you do it without resentment. If you do it without resentment, and the problem is most people have resentment in their hearts, because you can learn about the truth and go around repeating it. I hear a lot of people say, "Oh, you hate your mama, you hate your daddy," and everything is based on that. And that made people mad too. That's but it made them mad because they knew you're coming from the wrong place. You know, you're not coming from that alive and active truth that works inside of you. Yes, can I see it? Um, I don't know how this relates exactly, but just the truth, you being influenced by someone else, you know, just how you, on your reactions. If yes. you react properly. You know, you can influence them, and that's the truth, too. That's right. Without saying a word, you can live it, and it's still alive in you. You can see it in, in the person. And as you change how you see things, and you can, you can actually decide how you feel in a sense. You know, you, you have a choice to yeah. feel bad or be mad or whatever, and you can decide not to be mad about that. And then that's an influence on someone, too. Yeah, well, you don't decide. You don't though. decide, but you have, you know, in you, that moment, yeah. you can see what to do. You can't help yourself. It's just apparent what to do. You're absolutely right. Great. Yes, sis? Did you have any? I forget. You got an old, sis. <laughs> you forgot <laughs> twice in the morning, within an hour. <laughs> yes, sir? Uh, the big problem today in, in, in churches, and nearly most Christian churches, is that the preacher unfortunately operates on knowledge as well? Yeah, and uh, that that is really uh, I was going to say tragedy, uh, but it's really it's really bad. Yeah, I uh, because you know he doesn't help people find the truth if yeah. he operates from knowledge only. I had you know every Friday we have the Bible Go To Guy on my show. Have you guys heard the Bible Go To Guy yet? No. You haven't heard him yet. What station is it? It's the Jesse Lee Peterson show. What's the station? Oh, uh, in L.A. You're in L.A., right? Yes. You're in Orange County. You may have to get it on the Internet right now, live on the website okay. at bondaction.org. Okay. Uh, but he's on every Friday. And so I asked him to uh, look into how long have people been into religion. And I think you know, I asked him what went wrong with religion. Well, there was this big argument about religion so many different opinions. You have the Baptists, the Mormons, the Catholics, and, and then these Christians that belong to these different religions, they won't vote for the Mormon, or you know, they won't vote for this person or that person. And, and I'm hearing more and more of this as a result of doing these shows, and I wonder when did this happen? Has it always been that way, that there's been a fight about who religion is better than the other person's religion? And, and that's why a Christian can't come together because they join religions rather than becoming of the spirit. Because God said we should worship him in spirit and in truth. And if you are of the spirit, you can't own the spirit. It's not like some club you join and now, you know, everybody got to be like you to join this club. But if you join a religion, right away uh, it becomes ownership and now all the rules have to apply if you want to let somebody else in. Have you noticed that? Yes. And I think that's what's wrong with religion. You're not supposed to have religion. You're not supposed to belong to a club that's called religion, Baptist, Catholic, Mormon. You're supposed to be of the spirit. I don't think Christ, unless I'm wrong, I don't think Christ belonged to a religion, did he? 
If you were the Bible go-to guy and I asked, did Christ belong to a religion, what would you say? Um, he did not. Actually, he established, he established the truth. Yeah. And he established um, uh, grace. But um, religion, he was always getting in trouble with breaking the laws. Right. Have you noticed you can't keep the rules of the religious folks? You do break those rules. And that's why you have to be of the spirit. You have to. I used to be a Democrat. I mean, not a Democrat. That too. But <laughs> God forgave me. But I used to be a Baptist. I was born a Baptist. I didn't decide to be a Baptist. Mm -hmm. When I came into the world, my grandmother said, you are a Baptist. And then I became a non-denomination. That's still a group of religion that you join. But now, when God changed my heart and gave me that spirit to live by, I don't feel that I belong to any religion. And so as a result, I don't care what they think and what they're about. And, you know, I don't care if they put me out of the club because I'm not in the club. And that's that freedom that God wants us to have. He wants us to be free. But if you belong to a club, to a religion, you are not a free person. Because you're not going to like... We were talking earlier before the meeting about how even in your family, you know, if one person is a Republican, the other one is a Democrat, there's a fight going on. Their party is better than any other party, when in reality, both parties are messed up. So you can't even join that. You can help out, you can get involved, but don't join. And you really can't join a religion. You're never going to find God that way. You got to let go of that religion and become a free person. That makes sense? Anybody disagree with that? Yes, ma'am. I just wanted to say that I think um, most people that don't have Christ in their heart and don't read the Bible, they don't get the wisdom of God. And very educated people have knowledge oftentimes, but no wisdom. Right. And there's difference. Only God can give you, only Jesus can give you wisdom. So the wisdom doesn't come by reading the Bible? It comes by having the Spirit of God in you yes. to understand the Bible. But most people think that it comes from reading the Bible. And they never get it. No. Because they go to school, they learn the Bible, they get degrees in the Bible, and they still don't have wisdom. Right. And that's amazing, huh? Right. And, and discernment they, is part of that wisdom. Yeah. And that's what I think is lacking in our country today is discernment. Absolutely. And seeing a person seeing their past, seeing their past behavior and actions yeah. to predict future actions and to discern the type of person, the quality of person, the integrity of a person. You have to let knowledge go. Right. I, I had a guy on my show who knew the Bible every word for word by rote. Really. Remember he had read, he had read the Bible over and he went over to Haiti to help the folks with the, you know. What's his name? But I forgot his name. I knew you. I don't remember. Okay. You remember that, Hermes? Oh, which guy? The guy that knew the Bible by heart, I mean by rote. The whole Bible, he knew every word. The guy that debated the Bible was the guy? No. This guy was, I just had him on with me. But he knew the Bible. And I'm thinking, if I knew the Bible, I would have a headache. <laughs> Can, could be than yeah, can you imagine carrying that many words around in your head? <laughs> it's That's hard. pretty cool, though. I mean, he has a photographic memory. Yeah. Wow. That's amazing. That's a gift. It is? Oh, that's a good thing? It's a curse. I, I don't it's a curse. Think, I think it's cool. <laughs> that you, oh, you do? Well, I mean, he has a photographic memory. He just has that. Yeah, oh. other things, too. Yeah, exactly. He remember everything. So I used it. Yeah, exactly. But seeing like that would stop you from knowing God. Because, because it's like remembering a song. If he has a photographic memory, he doesn't have to remember. He just remembers it. But he thinks he knows. Okay, he does it. How does he use it? That's well, right. Does he have the spirit? Yes, ma'am. It, it couldn't be. It, not necessarily a, a negative thing. You know? Oh, it's not. Not necessarily because if, if that's a gift he have of uh, being able to to remember things, he could use it in other ways. It's not necessarily just he knows the Bible and uh, use it that way. So I think that's, that's where we're trying to get him, be open-minded and, and free to understand and things. So oh, okay. I, think I heard this favorite, one of my favorite songs on the radio the other day, and uh, it just stuck in my mind, you know, singing back and playing. 
And I went to sleep and woke up around 2 in the morning and was still playing in my head. Sing it for us. I was singing it. Really, it was like I still can hear the radio in my head. Is that a photographic memory? No. Oh. No. <laughs> That's programming. Yes. That's programming. Because it was loud in my head. I hope you dance. That's what? I hope you dance. Is that it? That one? I hope you dance. No, there was that another. Goes through my head. You like that one, huh? Yeah. You like that song? Yeah, yeah. this goes through my head all the time, though. Yeah, see that? You know, That's what I'm talking about. I don't see how people get into music so much because it does stick. stick it in sticks. Head. And you don't, but it can you be don't want thing. that. And then I'm sleeping and I hear this song playing in my head, <laughs> loud and clear. Uh, but anyway, the word has to be sharp. It's supposed to be sharp, but not with anger. It's not your, it's not your tongue that God is talking about. It's the truth that lives inside of you and when you, it changes your life first. And then when you're out there, it changes other people's lives as well. And some people go to overreact. They take it personally. But it's not your fault. It's their fault. But you have to make sure you're coming from the right place. Because the mind will tell you now to go out and just cut people with the truth, right? But that's the raw spirit about it. I have a, any questions about that? I have an email I want to get to because I, I asked people to email us and we never really deal with the emails. This uh, one is from a guy by the name of Herman Bradley, right? Herman Bradley. And uh, he writes, Jesse, I am somewhat confused. If we are not to be, if we are to be an observer, not judging our thoughts, how do we interpret our needs for planning activities? How do, how do you plan your speaking engagement? Think about what you will do at the engagement. Choose which engagement to attend. What thoughts are we using to troubleshoot a problem? An example, our car won't start. Build a deck or a house. Where, we, where will we go on a vacation, etc.? How does one distinguish be, between thoughts that are destructive versus constructive? Some thoughts I see for what they are from the devil. But some thoughts seem to be necessary to carry out life duty. Then he wrote, help. <laughs> Isn't that a good email? Yep. Yeah. And, and I read it pretty good. I was all nervous. <laughs> <laughs> see, you can read I talk it. about everybody else, right? <laughs> and so what I did while I was reading, I looked ahead for the next word so I could already know what it is by the time I get there. <laughs> I think that's when you do it, right, Christine? Absolutely. If you're looking up like four or five words ahead as you're reading this one. Yeah. I was told that when you read, you should look ahead at the next word so you already know. Whereas before, I would look at the word. I am somewhat <laughs> confused. That's right. You're taking groups of words. <laughs> groups of words. Okay. So... If we are to be an observer, not judging our thoughts, how do we interpret our needs? That's an excellent question. And I want some of the holy people here to answer that. Who want to answer that? This is fellowship, huh? (laughs) Kelly, can you answer that? What was the question? Oh, yeah, you were out of the room. It says, if we are to be an observer, remember I tell people they should observe life and not think about life. And if this person want to know, if we are to be an observer, not judging our thoughts, how do we interpret our needs? Uh, how do we interpret our needs? We can't. Are you an observer or a thinker? I guess you can't be both. I'd say I'm a thinker. You're a thinker. I'm a thinker. Oh, okay. So you, you, you don't understand how to observe. What that means to observe? Well, I don't. Yeah, I guess not fully. If I'm not an observer, I can't understand it. Yeah. So, but what do you think about what the guy just this person want to know? I think that um, we can't know our needs. We yeah. think we might even even in our you know holiest of holy undistracted states. We might think we know our needs and what's best for us, yeah. but we really don't. We don't That's know what sure. direction our life is going to take. 
Um, Isn't that amazing that we can live a whole lifetime thinking that we know our needs when we really, really don't? It's a made-up thing. I think that's the biggest trap because, you know, you think like, oh, this is what's best for me. Right. But I keep sinning, so I can't do what's best for me, so I hate myself. Yeah. But you wouldn't want to do what's quote-unquote best for you because it's not necessarily best for you. So and it's just... Never, ever, ever best for you. Right. So you just, this mental trap of hating yourself yeah. and doing something you shouldn't do. That's a good, very good point. Yes, ma'am. Uh, how about, um... Are you an observer or a thinker? Um, in between, but going to the observer. <laughs> Getting better at observing. You're on your way over thing. there. Yeah. Okay. So, I would say, um, having peace about a situation. So, I don't know what kind of needs he's talking about, but, like a decision, I guess. He said, how do we, how do we interpret our needs for planning activities? Um, he want to know how do I determine my speaking engagement, which one right. I'll take or not take. Right. I think in I'm, building a home or repairing right. a car, how do you do those if you're not to be involved in thoughts? I've learned that God has shown me it's about Him. <laughs> it's not about me and what I want from a job or situation. It's about how can I serve Him. So if I want to do something, it's not relevant. He says it's what what. <clears throat> Further is his. I know, but how do you determine what the thoughts are telling you that are important as opposed to God, what God will have you do? Well, it doesn't edify him. This is what he wanted. I'm sorry? Does it edify him? I mean, the bottom line is, does it edify him? Does it lift him up? Oh, okay. Patrick? It sounds like the, he doesn't necessarily know how to distinguish between thoughts and uh, observation because you know, yeah, that's what he want to know he want to know because I said that we should become observers of life and not thinkers of life life is about observing right so and he, he want to know well that's true how do I observe everybody turn their phones off <laughs> um, how do we uh, that's a thinker <laughs> how do we determine how to repair, you know, build a house or, or repair a car if we're not to think about it? Right, but a lot of it is observable. You know, if you're under the hood and you see certain things wrong with, you know, that you can observe certain things that are wrong that can show you what to do to fix the car. If you're just thinking about how to fix the car, you may not be seeing what's under the hood. So observation is part of the whole process of the planning. Even if you have a, a multi-step project like a house or something like that, you're going to plot it out more than likely, but it, you have to, to do it well, you're going to be doing it in an observational kind of way, not just you wouldn't be in your head trying to think about how to put a house together, you'd be using observation. You wouldn't be thinking about how to put the house together, you would be observing how to put the house together. Yeah, more... more um, because you're, you could get in your head about anything on earth, including, you know, you could get lost in your thoughts about how to put your house together, and, and you could end up putting together a crazy-looking house because you got lost in your thoughts about it. But if you're more objective about it, you could come, you have, you, you could plot it out in a, in a way that makes sense, and you'd have a, you could build a nice house that way. Does that make sense? What he's saying? Let me. Uh, how about you? Does it make sense what you just said? Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm mostly a thinker, so... You're mostly a thinker? And you don't know how not to be a thinker? I'm not to be an observer. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, Michelle, did that make sense what Patrick said? That you want to build a house, so you're going to sit down and observe it? Build <laughs> 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 Well, let's sit at this table and just observe. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Lord. <laughs> We're waiting on you here. No, player, don't get mad. Okay. Michelle? Um, can I repeat the question, please? Um, does it make sense if you want to build a house to sit at the table and observe or sit at the table and think about what you want? I'm the type that would think about what I want. Oh, you would? You're not an observer? No. And why not? I don't know. I just, I'm, always just, I'm always thinking. Does that do you any good? <laughs> sometimes, yeah. Sometimes it does. Yeah. Are you happy being a thinker? 
Sometimes. Sometimes I think I, I think I think too much. I bet your husband would agree to that too. <laughs> <laughs> what kind of things you think about besides how to kill your husband? <laughs> Do you know women think about killing their husbands? <laughs> I'm just joking, lady. Yes, Michelle. I just think about different things like doing stuff for the kids and doing things around the house. Just that kind of thinking. Oh, I see. Yeah. Uh, how about you, Doug? This guy want to know how do we, how are we to be an observer, not judging our thoughts? How do we interpret our needs? How do we plan activities? How you build a house or uh, repair your car if you don't need to think about it? Well, you do got to think about how to fix your car or build a house. Oh, you do? Yeah. Otherwise, you're going to have a... <laughs> an observed house. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you got to think about how to build something. house is observed. When you physically or mechanically build something or do something, you got to think about how to do it. Otherwise, it's not going to get done properly. But I think as far as life goes, as far as how you do stuff other than that, I guess that's where the observance comes in. I'm not totally sure. Sometimes I, I observe stuff, sometimes I don't. Are you a Christian? That's what they told me when I came in the door. <laughs> <laughs> but, but you are a thinker. I do think, yes, I think a lot. You don't observe life. Well, sometimes I do observe. Oh, so you go in and out of it? Yeah. Okay. Yes, Hermes. I mean, it sounds to me like he's asking, like, he asks about your speaking events and how do you... Yeah, how do I do those He's kind of asking, like, priority. So if you got, you know, like, for example, you got a house, you got a car, it's common sense. You're going to address whichever one needs to be addressed first. If you need your car, go get your supplies, go get your car fixed first, then go get your supplies for your house. So I think he's asking about not necessarily, yeah, you need a blueprint to build a house. You need to know what you're doing to fix a car, but I don't get that. I think he's asking as far as priority. How do you decide what to do first? How do you do it? Are you a thinker or an observer? I dabble in a little bit of both. <laughs> <laughs> so you're like of the darkness and the light. Yeah. <laughs> you realize that thinkers are of the darkness, right? Yeah. Do you guys know that? Yes. I know you don't want to hear about the, your father, the devil, but... <laughs> But thinkers are of their father, the devil. I guess what he's so that changed his whole thing now, right? How do you get anything done if you're just observing? Right. <laughs> yeah. I know that sometimes when people call me about their computer, I have no clue how I'm going to fix this computer. Right. And then when I get to the place, when I, when I sit in front of that computer, all of a sudden it pops in my head what to do. So... You know, to some degree, you gotta, you will observe what's, you know, what's in front of you. When even though you know how to build a house or how to swing a bat or a racket or anything like that, you know, there's there's ways to do it better, and some of that stuff just pops in your head. And I don't necessarily know all the time that I'm thinking that stuff if it's right. popping in my head like that. Maybe I am thinking. Maybe, if, especially if it's popping in my head, a way to do something better or to get problem solved in the right way. That's an amazing statement. Yeah, an amazing statement. Also, what Patrick said is amazing, too. I just wanted to play off it and scare you guys a little bit. Yeah, uh, because what he said is true for the most part, and that is true, too. But the question is, how do you do it 90% of your time instead of going in, as Herbert said, dipping and dabbing, going back and forth? <laughs> You just say dipping and dabbing, right? Yeah. Or dabbing yeah. and dipping. <laughs> you know, a little hell and a little light, right? <laughs> yes, Kelly. Oh, I was going to say, um, I think it's not just the question, uh, the, the caller or whatever, isn't just about um, building a house and, like, how to, you know, how to solve problems. But I think he said something about speaking engagements, or did you ask Yeah, he wanted to know how do I determine which one I'm going to take so, or not take or... Right. I, I, all these things, like, those are all somewhat big things, I guess, but I really think it's the same principle as small things. You yes. know, small scheduling things. Am I going to go have coffee now, you know, with so-and-so or not? Right. Um, very simple principle. Um, and... It, I think maybe he or she is feeling some uncertainty about it, 
And I think that's when you, you don't decide at that moment. That's you, don't, for sure. you don't know what to do. Um, and really, like Pat said, it is about observing the situation, just learning from your mistakes. And How do you distinguish between thoughts that are destructive versus constructive? Uh-huh. You, well, you just, you can't just like latch on to something. You're just going to know and you're going to act and you have to trust that. Your thoughts will tell you like, oh, you're, you know, this is never going to happen or, you know, you're never going to make the decision or you're going to make the wrong one. But it's about like trusting, you know, just trusting that it's going to go okay despite the ruckus in your head. Interesting. Forrest, how do you distinguish between thoughts that are destructive versus constructive? Well, I think you have to start with a curiosity uh, about what is constructive and destructive. And then well, curiosity killed the cat. <laughs> curiosity leads to passion. If you want to build a house and you, and you look out the window at the house being built next door and you just observe, you're going to learn a whole bunch in, in three or four hours or three yeah. or four days. If you're trying to decide which thoughts are legitimate, from God and which are destructive thoughts, you must have before asked God to help you dis discern what those are. So is this how you distinguish between destructive versus constructive? You ask God to show you which one is, is the right one? Well, you must be curious to know. Oh, okay. Curiosity was, is, the, is the first and only step. They, it, it will, you will have the ability to, to, uh, to do that if you become curious to do it. Okay. And God will give, it, give you that ability. I'm loving this conversation. Thank you, guys. I, I didn't think this was going to come out of this, but I'm grateful. What do you say to that, Mr. Well, How do you determine thoughts that are destructive <laughs> versus constructive? If, if I really don't know already, then usually I'll I, I, I sit back and I won't do anything. And eventually, I'll figure it out. Uh, that's how you determine? Yes. If, if, I, if I really don't know, then I won't do anything. Oh, okay. Yes, Stephanie. I saw your hand there. There's a lot of things. Like, I think about what I want and stuff like that. And I know that, like, God gives us what we need. It seems like when you kind of let go and let God, he like, carry it through for you. I mean, like, if you think about stuff like you want to do this and this, and you can't make it happen, you just have to, like, I guess you want it, and then if it's meant to be, it'll be. But I don't know. I can't explain it. But you like, um, you just like kind of let go. Like when I had my business, I wanted certain things, and I wanted to make money, but I couldn't make people come in and stuff. Right. And after a while, I just stopped. I said, I'll, I'll just do what I have to do, and whatever happens, I have no control over. Yeah, that's right. See, like when I let go, things start to work out for themselves. That's like an example, like what I'm talking about. That's a good example. Okay. You know, the sad thing about what we're talking about is that we all have that ability to observe life, and it does work like that. But we've been so dumbed down with teaching from day one about truth and about lies, about good, about evil, until now it's even hard to live and observe life. That's what Adam had prior to sinning. He and God communicate without verbal words. You know, you, and you can do that. I don't know if you ever tried this or not, but you can talk to a person without saying a word. Anybody ever done that? No? Well, let me, the way I used to do it, let me. I, maybe I should use my example. But uh, I remember when I used to date a lot, and I would go to the club, and I uh, see a girl across the room. You ever done this? And you can let her know you want her, and she'll let you know you, she want you without a word. Yeah. Anybody ever done that? Yeah. I hate to use that one, but that's the only one I can think of right now. <laughs> My grandmother used to look at me and didn't have to say a word either. And I knew to go sit down, or shut up, or I was going to get a whooping. It, that has happened? You're talking about body language. Sometimes I just see it in her eyes. I just, it's like I look at her, she's not moving at all. <laughs> And I knew if I didn't go sit down, it's over. <laughs> but you really can communicate without words. There's a, a voiceless voice. You think about someone, they call you. 
Yeah, that's right. That's another good one. Uh, yes, sir. You had your hand right? Yeah, well, it's a while. I don't know if it still applies, but, you know, to kind of simplify uh, a certain intelligence that you can have in the moment, uh, you see it in sports a lot. There's a phrase called presence of mind, and it means that you have the ability to discern the situation. All the best players have presence of mind, that you can discern what is actually happening instead of something that you've made up in your head and then deal with it to, to, to make the outcome work the way you want. And all it is is an observational attitude. You see the same thing in martial arts. Yeah. You see the same thing in even going back to take the guys, uh, think about the car, even to take that directly. I remember uh, my brother is an expert auto mechanic. And he told me one time he went to a auto mechanics a thing where they, these guys go against each other and have a competition. Right. And he said there was a thing where you, you have to like open the hood and then discern whatever is wrong with the car and then fix it within a certain period of time to win. And he said he went at it and opened the hood up and just looked at it with kind of, a, I guess, an open mind. And he was able to just kind of sense what needed to be done in the car, make the corrections, yeah. and he ended up placing really, really high in the competition. He did it fantastic. I totally believe because that. Because of that. Yeah, that is possible. Absolutely. Absolutely possible. Isn't that something? Yeah. Christine, if someone asks you, how does one distinguish between thoughts that are <coughs> destructive versus constructive, what would you say? If you met someone on the street and they said, Miss, can you tell me that? How, what would you say to them? You know, I don't know what I'd say to them. I mean, I'm, I'm totally puzzled by this, this conversation. Uh, you know, what I'd like to know is, and I don't know the Bible that well, but what does the Bible say? I mean, are they saying thoughts are evil and observations are, are you know, from God? I mean, I don't remember reading anything like that. I mean, I'd like to, to find out some basis for okay. a discussion. You know, I'm also learning a lot about like the founding fathers and, and you really realize that if you don't go back to their words, they've been interpreted by, by many people. And so, you know, to go to a good Bible, I mean, those are as close to, to God's words that, you know, Jesus' life and so forth you know, I think you have to go back to the Bible for something. You certainly don't need to memorize it and, and spout verses all the time, but I think, you know, you're trying to find out what the, the intention was there. So I'm just wondering, can you, can you help me out there? I will, just in a minute here. But let me say something about the Bible. The Bible, because of the heart of mankind, over the years been rewritten and left, things left out and things put in that are not true or may be true. You can't really put your face in that because it is so messed up nowadays. Um, uh, so you, it's good to read it, though. You know, open up, read something, put it away. But do not put your faith in it because it has been changed over the years like you wouldn't even imagine. So then this interpretation that, that thoughts are, are from the devil and observations are from God is whose interpretation is that? Yeah. Yours. Well, what it is, when you read, really, if you read Genesis, where Adam and Eve and God and Adam, all them was inter interacting together, all the answers are right there. You really, in all honesty, you don't have to go any further than that. But a lot of people are missing that. And I, I, I don't want to explain it right now. I want to try to, I don't want to just teach, teach about this. I want folks to wake up. So, but I will answer more clearly for you before we end this hour. Okay. All right? Very good question, though. Let me ask... Uh, what would you say, Doug, if you're walking down the road and, and uh, you know, you're a holy man across, this light is over your head, the clouds are following you, was, and, and someone, someone asks, which thoughts are, how do you determine the destructive versus constructive thoughts? What would you say? I think I would have to say that that's where knowing yourself and being aware comes in. I don't necessarily know. For me, I can't do it unless I am more aware. The more those times when I am more aware, I can see that more clear. If I'm, if I'm out of that awareness, I don't see it at all. Oh, okay. So I, that's about knowing yourself, and I, so, I don't know anything else to say other than that. So the person just walk away, feel lost? Well, I mean... <laughs> 
I don't necessarily they really know. Don't, they want to know why, why, why do you That's clouds follow you? <laughs> yeah. That ain't nothing. No, I understand. <laughs> what would you say if you were asked that, Frank? I, I would tell the person that uh, both, both are wrong, both are evil. You don't, you just observe, observe and see. Um, both thoughts are evil. Absolutely. Both are wrong. Both uh, thoughts that are destructive versus constructive, they both are wrong. And they are both straight out of hell. They are both from the deceiver. They both set you up to fail in life. And, and if you can test it this week, I want you to go with your positive, your constructive thoughts and see what happened to you. They are both, they are, they are both a setup. They don't work. And then if you try to go with this constructive one, it just sets you up to try to keep repairing it, going back, doing it over. They don't work at all. That's why you have to learn to observe those thoughts and not believe any of them. If you could doubt the thoughts, which is from the devil, then you, you shall know the truth. You, you will believe back into the truth. But as long as you are believing those thoughts, you never, ever, 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 but never going to believe the truth. They're both wrong. So if someone were walking down the road and asked me, I would say, hey, don't believe either one of them. Both are set up. And that's the truth. Yes, Pat? Could you go into a little bit about God's thoughts? Because I think this guy's asking a question about where inspiration comes from. I mean, you're yeah. building this, you're doing this. And God says in the Bible, you know, my thoughts are not your thoughts. So can you go into that a little bit? Let me tell you what happened. Yeah. God said that we don't, we can't even begin to know his thoughts. You can't think at all about what God's thoughts are. You can come up with positive thoughts until the cows come home. And they will all be wrong. You can think about what God would think about this. You know, I hear some Christians say, well... I make decisions based on what God would do. What would God say about this? And they're all wrong. You can't think his thoughts at all. You really can't. But what happened, what happened to me, and the reason I know this to be true, is that once he took away my anger, my resentment, which was of my father, the devil, because when you have that resentment, all of your thoughts are connected to your father, the devil, thoughts. That's why you hear from him so well. <laughs> you know, you could be walking down the road and, he, and the two of you will have a real live conversation. Oh, yeah, that's right. Have you ever done that? You know, like something come, you say, oh, yeah, that's right. I need to do this. I need to do that. That's you and your father, the devil, talking. <laughs> and you can hear it because your anger connects you to his voice. And you're disconnected from that voiceless voice. So when God took away my anger, he allowed me to hear or see in a different light. And his thing, his voice, there, there are no uh, words that you can hear, audible words. It's like a, a seeing. He allows you to just see what is because you are calm enough now to see what's going on. That's why I like the car example. Because when you're not connected to voice, destructive or constructive, you're, you're calm in life, and things are revealed to you, and that's how you know. And once they are revealed to you, it's clear, no doubt about it. It doesn't bring any confusion. There's no going back to repair it. There's no mistake about it. It brings peace and love and everything once he reveals it to you. And that's why he said his people will know his voice because there are two voices going on, one in your head and one in your heart. And that's the one you're going to become familiar with as you overcome your father, the devil's voice. So you got, the only way you're going to know this is that you must enter into the kingdom of heaven within so that you can recognize this other voice. And once you recognize it, that's it. And then this voice up here starts to vanish away. It seems as though it's out there now and not controlling you in here. You, you can see that voice. It still comes and try to talk to you, but you can see it and you recognize that as a different voice from your father's voice. You know not to follow that voice without even trying not to follow it. That makes sense? Yeah, but you got to get rid of the, your other nature in order for that to happen. And you could have a glimpse of it along the way. 
something reminds you of something like, oh yeah, that's clear. If you're a seeker and you're on your way, but you want to get to a point where it's become a way of life for you, that you recognize your father's voice from your other father's voice. And so there are no such things as God is not going to, as a constructive versus destructive, God is not going to give you anything that destructive. And I don't know if he called it constructive either. It's just love. He loves you. He's guided his children with truth. And truth is love. Uh-huh. <laughs> yes, ma'am. But you got to get rid of the anger of her. You're not going to have it as long you must be born again. You need a new nature. You need a new identity. All right. Yes, ma'am. Uh, the other day I wanted to, I don't know what love is really. I hear it, you know, and everything, but I don't really know what it is. And um, the other day I wanted to love somebody that I haven't loved in the past. Right. And so she was in a, a really, uh, she was hurting a lot. And, and when I went to meet with her, um, I just guess God just let me observe what was in my heart that I really did want to help her. Yeah. I did want to love her, but I didn't know what it was. So then I was like observing her, and I realized things were different with her than I thought they were. Yes, she really, ma'am. She honestly wanted help. She yeah. wanted wisdom. She wanted love, you know. And, she, and at work, I, it happened, and um, it changed her a lot. I mean, she... And it was the first time I ever just admitted, I don't know what love is. I don't know what to say. Right I on. Just, I don't know where God is. I don't, you know, but I wanted to do right. And I hardly ever do that. But, Stephanie, Stephanie gave a good example, too, about she wanted her business to increase. Yeah, I thought but, I liked that. Yeah, she couldn't make it happen. It doesn't matter all these thoughts that come in to make, do this, do that, do this. It doesn't work. And if it does work, you're so worn out, you can't enjoy it. Because all your little energy gone now and everything. But so she let go. So what she let go of is the thinking about it, trying to make it happen. And the moment she, you let go of that, then the answer will come because you have the ability now to wait upon that. And then it just start working out. It will work out. It absolutely will work out when you let go. But if you think you have a positive thought or a constructive thought, then you're not going to let go. You're just going to come up with another thought to try to make it happen. But when you're listening to God's voice, you are not in control of anything, and it is happening. It unfolds by itself when you become an observer of life and not a creator of life. It's so much easier to live that way, too. It's less painful, no headache. You don't have to visit a doctor every day. You know, you don't have to go back and apologize. You don't mess up your children or your relationships, whatever it may be, when you let go and let it happen. But you cannot let it happen when you're involved in thinking. So as a man thinketh, so as it is. And that's where all hell is. Yes? I have a question. Um, so can you explain your thought process when you see injustice? Good, good question. When I see it, I, I just see it. I don't have to think about it. Because when you are an observer, one mind with God, because that's what it is, you know, you, you know that you can't call that good or bad. You can't say, oh, that's bad, that's evil. You have to be shown what it is. You just, you inwardly know that, and then you deal with it. Right. You don't hate it. Well, like... Things that are happening in the country at this time. Right. Things that, like, destroy the nation. Yes. I mean, our country that, you know, you have a lot of pride in. You have a lot of feeling for. And you see things going downhill. Right. Um, I love my country. Uh, I'm not an African-American. I don't have an Afro. I have a Marifro. <laughs> I see my country going to hell in a handbasket. Right. I mean, just like that, it's amazing at what is going on. Right. And I see why it's going on that way. 
I see that it's evil taking us down. Right. And that evil works through people as well as good. It's, it's amazing I see this, too. I have to tell you this. I can't believe I see it, but it's amazing I see it. But also see that there's nothing personally I can do about it. Uh-huh. I have to allow him to show me what to do about it. Because it's spiritual. Right. It's spiritual. So, but if I hated the people who, would, who would operate on the side of evil, they would conquer me, too. But because I see that they're evil and I see what they're doing and I understand what they're doing, he shows me what to do to deal with it. Okay. And when I go, even when I go out and give a, a talk, right. he puts some truth in there, even in that talk, in order to wake up some people so they can too can see what's going on and fight this battle in a different way so that we can win it. Okay. But most people see this injustice, they'll resent it, and now they're caught up in it, and they're losing the battle because they're fighting with the wrong in the wrong manner. Right. They are fighting it and they are losing it because they don't see the spiritual aspect of what's going on. Right. And so I see it and I'm just fighting the way he gave me to fight. Remember last week I told you I went down to the L.A. County Board of Supervisors? Right. I knew I was going to yell at them. I was going to, yeah, you know, so I'm ready for it. He just gave it to me to do. Okay. Even when the devil told me, oh, you're going to look like a fool. Right. You're going to be embarrassed. I didn't care about that. This is the way to make a point. Right. But, so how do you not, like, like when you went to Yale and spoke in front of people and said things that they didn't like, how do you not get caught up in the fear of, like, oh, they're not going to like me, blah, blah, blah? Because once you're born again of a new nature, mm-hmm. you have perfect love, and perfect love has no fear. Okay. It doesn't exist. Right. It's not even there. They're not even there. So the devil's talking to you, right. but you're not of him anymore, so you're not afraid. Right. And you're not worried about what your ego is going to look like. Right. Because you're there to make a point. To, to, right. you know. And so you're there for your point, and you do that. But there is no fear in perfect love. Right. That's the beauty of it. And when you have perfect love, you, you have the same mind as God, and he's guiding, he's living through you. Right. Just like the devil lived through you. Right. Yes, ma'am. But there is no fear. Very good question. That's why he said perfect love cast out fear. Okay, we have another email? This is from the phone. Okay. Okay. Uh, The gentleman says that the question he's asking is what is the process for something as simple as what tie you decide to wear? This is the same. Oh, what is the process of? Yeah, the question he's asking is what is the process for something as simple as what tie you decide to wear. Oh. <laughs> what the process is simple you know, and what tie. Is. Well, I think if it matches the suit and the shirt. <laughs> Isn't that the process? <laughs> right? Yep. Right? Common sense that you don't want to put on a, a, a whatever with a whatever. White tie, white shirt, white jacket. Yeah, something like that. Look. <laughs> well, People don't have that common sense. So, you don't want to put on like a Matt Daddy suit to go to preach a sermon <laughs> kind of thing, right? Some people. <laughs> yes, sir. It sounds like he's taking what you said about not making decisions literally. Like, oh. literally you don't make a decision. It feels like this question wasn't being answered because you're not giving him the process of... I don't know how to make it any more simple. The process to this, let me tell you the quick process and then I'll take your hand. The process is that, uh, you know what, we need to put the clock over here this week. So that, because I got an email that said, you keep looking up at the clock. (laughs) They tell me everything I do wrong. So I asked for the clock to be put here so they won't know I'm looking up at the clock. (laughs) Isn't that something? The process is somehow or another, you got to know that you are an egotistical, angry, judgmental, separated from God person to be your own God. You got to know that first in your heart. That's the beginning of the process. You got to know that you are not God. And then you got to be still so that he can help you or cause you to overcome your father, the devil. The, the God that made you make all the decisions because you're God. We don't make any decisions about anything. It's the God that we serve who works through us to make the decisions for us. And so somehow or another, you got to get to know yourself. Somebody mentioned knowing yourself so you can see, wow, really am? I am not in control of my own life. Even the decisions I make, even the ones I think are positive are not my decision. 
if you could get to know yourself and then calm down because you see now of yourself you can do nothing, then God will come in and take that identity away from you and give you his identity. That's the process. The problem is ego people uh, don't want to admit that they don't know that what they're doing are wrong, that life is not working. They believe that they can make it happen. And that's why it's hard for them to understand this simple language of just living the truth because the ego won't let you admit that you don't know. And that's what the problem, that's the process. You got to calm down and stop, as, as Stephanie gave that example, of yourself, you could do nothing, so stop trying. And you will be given what to do, and you will have the energy to do, and it will all work out fine. But the ego is not going to let you give up. It's like you mess up your children, and now you try to force your children to be good. Or you mess up your relationship, now you try to force the relationship to be right. It never works like that. You are not God. And decision-making people think that they are God. But you can see, you'll see what to do. You'll see what to wear, what not to wear, who to hang out with, who not to hang out with. You will see if you can overcome this other identity. That's why you got to overcome your anger in the nature of your father. Does the a caller or the emailer have your tape? Yeah, you need to get a copy of my Be Still and No Prayer CD. I've been doing it for 21 years. And it will, if you really want to know the truth, it will cause you to calm down so you can see who's really guiding you right now. We have never been in control. We are not in control. Either we're guided by the evil one or we're guided by good. That's just a fact. It's reality. But most people just can't see it. So get a, a copy of my Be Still and No CD so God can cause you to come down and he'll find that moment to change your life, to cause you to enter into the kingdom from within. But you got to overcome anger. You cannot have any anger at all and live the way that I'm telling you. Because it's a different God that you're serving. Yes, Pat. Uh, just quickly, regarding that same story about going down to the uh, Board of Supervisors, it ties into what uh, this lady's saying because you didn't see an injustice and get mad about it or something like right. that. Right. You saw an injustice. Actually, there's a little moment at the end of the meeting where after the vote had taken place and Mark Ridley Thomas, you know, the right. bad guy was down there and something happened where like, he made a motion to you to come down to talk to him, but it was something that you caught immediately and then went down there. So it's like you had to be free of the junk in your head to see what yes. was going on. And you, you, you capitalize on a moment there to go right down there on that guy. But it happened so quickly that had you been thinking about what am I going to say or I would do, not have done you never it. would have been able to carry it out. And I would have made it down front yeah. because you're so busy thinking about what to do, how to do it, what's going to happen, what's going to happen to me. Mark really told me to deceive the people and pretended that he, regarded, he made vote not to boycott Arizona. That was his uh, first press release, right? where all the time, all along, he knew he would vote for it. It was just a game because even before the vote went down, he gave a press release to the media saying he was going to vote for it. So he already knew. And I'm looking at this guy acting all pompous, you know, like trying to talk like he's tough. Well, I, I don't even have to explain myself. <laughs> I already know it. And then he voted in favor of the boycott. I'm like, this lying hypocrite. <laughs> so I said, you are a liar, you are evil, you are whatever, you know? Mm -hmm. And then I could see my pathway, I'm heading down there, and the cops ran down and got me in there and pushing me back, and then he beckoned for me to come, because he thinks he's tough, right? Mm -hmm. And so I'm like, no, hey, hold on, cops. He's telling me to come back. <laughs> They're like, no, he's not. I'm like, look. So I'm seeing everything that's going on because I'm not feeling anything about what's going on. And so I got, I, I went back down there and got right in his face. And the guy was like, well, you better calm down or something. You don't know what's going to happen to you. I'm like, what are you saying? You know, trying. <laughs> like he gave me a little threat, you know. But when you're calm like that, you're going to always see what to do. And you're whole, I, I, I want to promise you this, but I'm not God. I can't promise you. But take it from me. I'm, I'm telling you things that are happening in my life, and I'm not making this stuff up. Everything we need to know is already there. But it's a quiet, voiceless voice that changes your life and gives you love and calls you to love others and everything that you do. But as long as you listen to the voice of the devil that sounds like your voice, 
you will never be a happy person. You're going to always mess up. You will never have peace because you're listening to the wrong God. And he made you feel like you're God. The other God let you know you ain't God. God let me know I am not God. And I'm okay with that because his love is greater than the love I had when I thought I was God. You know? So in order to do this, you got to overcome your anger, folks, because anger is of the ego, which is of your father, the devil. And so you recognize it. You, you let go. Let go. Get a copy of my Be Still and No CD. Um, and uh, it's a prayer. You can have it free. Just pay for the shipping and handling so we can make some more tape. And make sure you stick with it. But you got to know yourself first so that you can recognize the different voices. All right? We do counseling. We need your support, by the way, financial support. Thank you for tuning in. And thank you guys and ladies. For more information or to purchase a copy of this show, visit us on the web at www.bondinfo.org or call 1-800-411-BOND. You're already home.